Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Oh, man. Uh, Coming off of that weekend with no Penn State football. How you doing? Was that a palate cleanser for you? Did you you enjoy your weekend, bro? Kind of still feels like we lost. (laughs) (laughs) Because, by the way, we kind of did lose. You know, um, Michigan jumped over us in the rankings. Oh, yeah. Not terribly surprised, you know, but um, they also were on a bye week. Yeah, well, I guess that's what happened when your big marquee loss <laughs> loses in pathetic fashion, you know, when, when Iowa lays Iowa, an egg against yeah. a team like Purdue. Um, it, you know, it, uh, it's why do you shame. have to start us sh- that way? Yeah, it's oh, a shame. man, dude. <laughs> it's a shame <laughs> like, that wrong. Iowa had to lose that game at home because I would have loved to of Iowa. I would have loved to have had Iowa been a part of two weeks in a row of, of fans storming the field. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been great. Well, um, look, uh, before we get into all that, um, and we're going to do some news and notes, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, just the state of college football. There was an article that came out uh, by Pat Forty I wanted to touch on. We're going to talk you about that a little bit. You mean the Dash? Yes. The Dash? <laughs> That's what he calls um, himself? We're going to get to uh, the midseason review that we didn't get to last podcast and sort of try to take a look at the second half of the season. Then finally, um, we're going to briefly touch on this Iowa game that we have coming up uh, in a week's time. You mean Illinois? Oh, gosh, you got me thinking Iowa. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the Illinois Illinois game that we've got coming up. Um, And uh, I apologize to the listeners for bringing Iowa up right out of the gate. I'm bad. bad. What a a downer. Um, But what what I did want to start with is just uh, your weekend and my weekend without Penn State football. And I know you were up in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, you went to a Wisconsin game. You apparently ate a lot of cheese curds. A ton. Which seems to have resulted in some abdominal discomfort for you. That's correct. Since then. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. how was your weekend in Wisconsin? Uh, it was it was a good time. I um, was up there to uh, <clears throat> excuse me help promote a uh, uh, the Ice Age Trail uh, and did a podcast with Backpacker Radio up there. And part of our uh, festivities took us to um, Camp Randall for the Wis- the Army at Wisconsin game, and I did pretty much all the the things you would want to do when you go to to, to um, Madison and, and go to a game uh, at Wisconsin, and checked them all off the box, and uh, it was a good time. It was a great time. Beautiful weather, Wisconsin. perfect, perfect, perfect weekend, and by all respects, uh, Wisconsin versus Army was that a terribly exciting game? It was a very boring game, but uh, all week long we were <laughs> we all week long we were worried like, oh, are we going to be able to get seven tickets together? Because we had a bunch of different parties kind of all getting together, and we were like, well, should we just buy them on SeatGeek right now for like you know eighty three bucks a pop? And and my buddy Zach was just like, no, 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 no. He's like, he's like, we're going to scalp. Trust me, there's going to be tickets available. And um, having never been to Madison or a Wisconsin game, um, and only be- going to Penn State games, I didn't have the comfortability level of. Of, uh, of just relying on we'll find some last second tickets before um, and we kind of waited a little a little bit into the first quarter to go because um, 
much much like how uh, State College has all its bars downtown. Well, uh, B, uh, Camp Randall is right downtown in in Madison, so you can walk from the bars right to the stadium without like much of a, a haul. Like if you leave the bars downtown in State College, you're gonna be walking for like I don't know uphill for a mile and a half or something like that. It's not a it's not a quick like, walk. Half an hour, forty five yeah, minutes yeah, walking yeah. uphill. So we were just like waiting around at some of these bars until we we felt that like the surge would be over and we could get some cheaper tickets. And we ended up, I think, so, like I think a couple of us actually snuck into the stadium, and some others got some like <laughs> super cheap, yeah, super cheap tickets. It was hysterical. <laughs> um, well, fun. Sounds like a great experience. Um, I told you I was going apple picking, which I did do. I um, had it was a great day um, in the orchard. A lot of fun. Um, uh, my daughter, Angelina, was not feeling well. So it was just Eileen and I. It was a nice little day date nice. with Eileen. Um, and you we paid picked, her to stay uh, home, didn't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, she re- she was bummed. But um, uh, no, we picked two pecks of apples. Is that like just two large baskets? Um, it's... Uh, or yeah, bushels. It's, yeah, it's like a half a bushel. Okay. Okay. I uh, yeah. So it's a, that's a lot of apples, about twenty pounds, and um, nice. uh, so plants. You got plants for them? Oh, apple pie, hundred percent, and then mm-hmm. maybe some other things. Yeah, we've I, made some. I, I really like an apple pie. We've we've got a crab apple tree in our backyard here, and we actually have done a couple different rounds of picking, and have made uh, like apple turnovers or apple dumplings, whatever you want to call them. Nice. And I, it's been years. And you and I grew up with a couple of crab apple trees in our yard. And we never gave them much uh, attention as kids. We didn't no. eat them. We didn't pick them. We didn't do anything to them. We just had to like break our ankles on them when we tried to mow the lawn for dad. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but we honestly, tried to play football in the yard. Crab the apple, apple is not the worst tasting apple. It really isn't. <laughs> it's not the worst. It's what not. a great advertisement! Yep. You should be the spokesperson for not the crab your worst apple industry. tasting apple. <laughs> Try our crab apples. <laughs> Um, yeah, with the, I, the, last the, couple with of years, the right amount of whipped cream, any apple is going to be good, right? <laughs> very, very good point. Um, last couple of years, I've actually gotten into making uh, homemade pie crust, so I've been perfecting that. And wow. um, so one moved of the, on from one bread. of the things I love. Oh, not moved on from. Well, bread, I'm still doing bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now yeah. you've incorporated <laughs> a new a new one uh, in me. So yeah, I'm not so even going to get I'm into it of, with you. But are the, are you any good at it yet? Yeah, actually, I, I am pretty good. Um, uh, it's not like 100% perfect every time, but uh, pr- it's it's good. And it's like, it's discernibly better than like the Pillsbury really? stuff from the... Okay, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. The, the hard thing about uh, pie crust is really like, it's actually like making it all come together the right way. It's not, the recipe is super easy, but it's just, it's like hard to handle well. So like the, the Pillsbury yeah, once stuff it starts makes falling it, apart as you're trying to exactly. form it, it's, you got a problem. And then it feels like the whole project is shot. Exactly. So there, it takes a lot of patience. It just takes time and technique, I think. Mm. So, um, any case, um, looking forward to fill some of my homemade pie crusts with some, uh, handpicked apples. So that's coming up in the next few weeks, hopefully. But anyway, um, so we are after that palate cleanser. The other thing I got to do this weekend, I know you didn't other than the Wisconsin game. I got to watch some football and there was, it was really kind of rewarding to watch other football teams play without like the anxiety of a Penn state football game hanging over my head. So that was really nice. And by the way, 
the impending anxiety of are we going to beat Iowa? Is that what you mean? <laughs> or whatever, you know, whatever yeah. team. I mean, we we were talking about just some anxiety over this Illinois game, even which is, you yeah. know, so so I got to enjoy a weekend of football with. And the other thing is that um, Eileen, who who follows Notre Dame, um, big fan of Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was also off this week. That's part of why we went apple picking because we had the whole nice. Saturday with nice. no must see TV football. Um, so um, it got, got to catch a, a number of games. And it was just really enjoyable. And, what, was your, what was your favorite? What was your favorite game? You think? Um, I mean, besides obviously enjoying Iowa going down, was that was that the? That, I mean, that was that was the one. That was the okay. one. But I would say um, watching Auburn um, handle Arkansas was was another good one. I really enjoyed that as well. You mean you you uh, didn't you didn't enjoy uh, Michigan State barely squeaking it out against uh, Indiana twenty fifteen. You know, I kind of wanted Michigan State to lose. I really did. But it was such a boring game. Every time I flipped over, um, I just couldn't get into the game. But you know we're there already. But let's uh, let's do it. Let's turn the page officially to news and notes. Yeah, so we're in it already. The big news of the weekend, of course, is that number two Iowa was upset at home by unranked Purdue. Uh, They lost 24 to 7 in a game that really never felt close. Iowa, as they sort of had to overcome a bigger and bigger hole, they just seemed more and more inept. By the end of the game, um, Petrus, uh, Iowa's quarterback, had thrown four interceptions, three in the la- just the last few minutes, trying to come from behind and just throwing terrible errant passes, ill-advised passes. It, I mean, if I'm an Iowa fan today, I'm thinking the rest of the season is a disaster waiting to happen because I've got no offense. Um, and as soon as they, you know, so they were minus three in, in turnover margin on the game, I think. And um, yeah, as soon as the defense let them, I, this was the game that I wanted Penn State to play against yeah. Iowa and that yeah. we did for the first 20 minutes of game time. And um yeah, well, uh, you know, there's definitely some some joy when you see s- someone like Iowa go down in such now, a fashion. But and, I, Andy, I just wanted it to be us. I wanted it I, to be. Us. I had I had every idea that Iowa was going to lose that game going into the weekend. Dude, you called it, man. I, I mean, I called you, it. I, I listened to it. our <laughs> podcast last week, and you and you called it. Like you, yeah. you were you said that. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Purdue, this is their second. Defeat of a number two team as an unranked team in a row is our second in a row. Do you know? Do you remember who the last one they did? When you say second in a row, you know the second in a row since they played a number two. Okay, this okay, is okay. their yeah. The, the the last time they played a number two, I want to say also Ohio State. Ohio State in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, they had uh, that's when they had Rondale Moore, and they yep. had they, there was a it was a, oh yeah they didn't Purdue beat him? Wait, was there one that Maryland badly? Al- it was like forty something to yeah 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 yeah. And I think I think Maryland almost did it again, maybe the next week after that. But then right. Ohio State squeaked it out somehow. Squeaked but yeah, it out and they turned their turned their season, their season around. Season around, that's right. But um, yeah, man, so, it, just, it felt like Iowa. It's much like I think I even put it this way: much how like. Penn State has not played well after whiteouts or like big games. Like we have emotional letdowns. Whether we win or lose that, the emotional letdown exists regardless. And right. Iowa just didn't, ha- they put so much into that one game. I mean, these are just, these are still just 
18 to 22 year old kids that ha- they don't have the experience of of knowing how to control m- emotional levels week in and week out like how do you I mean, save some regardless next week? of age yeah. regardless of age like i know for me like when i'm when i'm putting all my energy into a huge effort like you know you just can't there's, do it there's the a letdown week. right yeah. there's just yeah you just like you kind of you kind of sort of you got to let something I, I would go love, you can't i would love for there that. to be some sort of study that that like figures out analytically data wise how that happens not just in sports but like relate it to how that happens in other major events when people are like yeah uh, yeah everything's going great and we, we nailed that one thing and then the next week it all came crashing down because everybody just put it all on the line the week before or something I, that's I mean, really fascinating you know i'm listening to uh, an, another podcast right now i listen to a fair amount of podcasts one is called the rise and fall of mars hill it's about a church in seattle and um the, some of the controversies surrounding it but one of the things in their one of the recent episodes they talked about is they talked about this church having an easter service in uh where where the seattle seahawks play mm-hmm. in seattle they 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 had a big church service one Easter that was supposed to be like the pinnacle of their year. And like in the wake of that, like four or five staff people left, like he, things started changing and they, and the, they went, you they know, flew too close to the sun. They, they, they basically that big. was, that was kind of the argument that you burned, like they put you burned so much, all your resources out. Totally. You, you can't maintain it. It's yeah, unmaintainable. So, so that, I, I agree with you. That would be a really fascinating study. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's pretty predictable in a lot of respects um, in college football world. You know, big game. You, it's, it's hard to come back the next game. Even in, everybody's with a, telling you how great you are. You and, and here yeah. Purdue, you're obviously going to beat them, right? <laughs> yeah. For that reason, as hard as it's been to like sit with that loss in our our that taste of that loss in our mouth for this week maybe the bye week is just what the doctor ordered um because even a team like illinois could be dangerous i think they still could be depending on how (laughs) how things shake up we'll get to that um let's continue through uh news and notes um the other top ranked team um of last week number one georgia um, they did not face plant, but they had a pretty solid victory over Kentucky. Will Levis managed to um, lead uh, the Wildcats to two touchdowns, which is the most that any team has scored against Georgia, uh, but was not was not enough for the win. Uh, I think it was a 30 to 13 final score. That's that is the score. Yeah. Um, we already mentioned Michigan State um, ranked 10. Uh, last weekend, now they're up to nine. I think um, they they won a close one against Indiana, twenty to fifteen. As I mentioned, it was a kind of a it was not an exciting game to watch, and um, Indiana really had a lot of opportunities to win that one. Their quarterback, who is not Michael uh, Penix at this point, um, just couldn't get anything going for him. Uh, so uh, uh, sounds they, sounds familiar. Yeah, um, that's maybe part of the reason why I didn't want to watch that game when I put yeah. it over. Yeah, um, uh, going around the uh, the top ten as well. Um, Oklahoma number four. Um, we, you know their best chance to slip up apparently was against Texas because they came back and dominated uh, TCU this past week. It was uh, Caleb Williams' starting debut, and they really. Uh, put a hurt on uh, TCU, uh, beat him fifty-two to thirty-one in the end. Um, Rattler did not play a single snap. 
Yeah, I think I, I was I was a little preoccupied this weekend, so I didn't get to watch basically any college football. I kind of tuned in here and there uh, to the Iowa game as I knew it was you know nearing its end. But I was in social mode. We were out tailgating and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what really is interesting to me is this story of 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 Rattler and and what's going to happen to him as the season pr- progresses and how he's going. <clears throat> excuse me, how he's going to handle it um, as, for, as a teammate uh, or if he's just going to be thinking about himself and himself only and not that there's anything wrong with that but I mean you know it makes you wonder is he going to try and transfer when the season is over or will he try and do that even before the season's out I mean Oklahoma is a kind of organization that is both you know they've accepted transfers and and now they might be on the cusp of seeing one of their star recruits leave for greener pastures if they don't find a way to to kind of incorporate Rattler into their game plan because that's something that I think Franklin did for a number of years with with Tommy Stevens and Will Levis and both and he he tried to create that wildcat position or I'm sorry the the lion rather um for these guys and and it, even that, it didn't work out. The Both guys transferred to, for different schools, one to Mississippi State to go play under Joe Moorhead. That did not work out great. And here's Will Levis going to play for uh, Mike Stoops. And so far for, for Will Levis, it's working out great. But a guy a guy who was a five-star five star recruit and, and uh, Spencer Rattler, you got to think he's, he's thinking, I, I can still go start somewhere. You know, I just got benched for a fresh, true freshman. Um, and I know that there's going to be people chomping at the bit to, to pick a guy like that up. Um, I mean, you never even know. Even Penn State might be interested in that those sweepstakes for getting a guy like that. You know, if if if, if uh, Sean Clifford retire, uh, excuse me, graduates and leaves, whether it's the NFL or not, um, our guys are are young and our guys are inexperienced. And you know, obviously, this Illinois game coming up will. Tell us a lot more about Taquan Roberson than what we learned in in the Iowa game, but uh, we 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 might be a, a kind of team that would be at least interested in <laughs> kicking the tires on Spencer Rattler if he's trying to transfer. Yeah, and meanwhile, as you're saying, Lincoln Riley no doubt is going to have a vested interest in keeping Spencer Rattler on his roster for just such a situation as Penn State was exactly. in the past week. And it's a totally different world. Yeah. I mean, you remove yeah. the transfer portal and and maybe we don't lose the Iowa game. But if you don't remove the transfer if you if the transfer portal um you know doesn't exist, then we can't go get a guy like Spencer Rattler in the offseason. And by the way, I I am not even remotely believing that it'll actually happen. I'm not saying I've even heard anyone talk about it. It just makes you wonder. <laughs> Well, and then of course the difference being, uh, you know, Will Levis left because this was really his last shot, and there was no chance of him starting, right? But next year, when Penn State has no proven starter, right? right. A guy like Spencer Rattler who doesn't want to sit on the bench uh, behind a guy who's younger than he is, maybe maybe that makes a place like. Uh, Penn and State for, attractive. And for a for an offensive coordinator that has already done it in the Big Twelve, uh, you know he is at the top of his game when he was at, at in the Big Twelve for Oklahoma State. Mike Yurcich yeah. when he had um, uh, what's his name Rudolph uh, chucking five thousand yards Rudolph, a yeah. season. Mason Rudolph. Yes. So speaking it's not like of, he doesn't know um, how to use the quarterback position or or make one work for him. 
Yeah, so you never enough know. about that. I think we talked about that last podcast anyway. Um, but uh, speaking of the Big 12 and Oklahoma State, they uh, were ranked number 12 going into last weekend. Uh, they had a huge comeback victory over Texas, uh, uh, 32-24 the final. They, they scored 16 points in the fourth quarter to stay undefeated. And um, it's making that you know, end of season bedlam game between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma look really interesting. And both of those teams can. can We're stay saying on that track. at the half, half point of the season, by uh, the way. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But like at this point, like the Texas game is behind both of those teams. Yeah. And doesn't. There might not be a bigger like Big 12 game the rest of the season. That's what I'm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't seem like there's someone else who's. Now, of course, but, it's but I think too, college football, too, anything can happen. Too far you know? away to, to make yeah, that be the, the game that true. matters most in the Big 12. Uh, two other uh, games in the top 20 to just briefly touch on. Um, number 17, Arkansas fell to our old friends at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, Auburn got a statement victory, uh, beating them handily 38-23. to I, I did watch a fair amount of that game, and um, the announcers for the SEC were saying that um, this seems like it was Bo Nix's best game that he's ever had uh, in an Auburn uniform. So, um, you know, their thought is, you know, if he plays like this the rest of the way, uh, Auburn could really make some noise in the SEC West. They're, uh, they only have one loss in the SEC, that's to Georgia. And um, guess what? There's one other team that has a one loss in the SEC, and that's Alabama. So, you know, the Iron Bowl, again, it's halfway through the season, a lot can happen. A lot of Iron Bowl can be really interesting. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So um, lastly, um, unranked LSU, who's been sort of scraping along the, the bottom there, um, trying to get their – get their boat afloat. Uh, they got a pretty big win over number 20, Florida, 49 to 42. Turns out it wasn't quite enough to save at Orgeron's job. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, apparently uh, he, it was already in the works that Orgeron was going to announce the works. his, um, he's going to leave. He's going to leave LSU at the end of the season, but remain on the sidelines for the rest of the season, which is a very curious way of going about things. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's the way they want to do it. Maybe they maybe they just want to make sure that they can be allowed to talk to other coaches between now and whenever they want to hire said other coaches. You know, they want to start their coaching search a little early. <laughs> but they're not ready to totally give up on this whole season because obviously, you know, Orgeron, he's not the worst coach. He's just not the one who's winning a national title this year. And in LSU land and Death Valley world, you're you if you're not winning national titles, you you're not you're not welcome around here anymore. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we do the, uh, in addition to the scores, the other kind of uh, bit of news and notes that I wanted to uh, mention is just that last Wednesday, like literally hours after we <laughs> finished our Not podcast, even. it was like within the hour. <laughs> um, Franklin did have a press conference and he did talk about a number of things, a couple of really big items that came out of that, the biggest of which is that. Uh, PJ Mustafer are are you know anchoring the center of that line D tackle. I mean, he was the guy on the line going into the season. He is out with injury for the rest of the season. Um, that uh, goes along with Hakeem Beeman, who Franklin already uh, mentioned is is out for the season, another D tackle um, that was back in the end of September. Uh, so the middle of our defense is um, 
man, for the second half of the season, we're not going to have uh, the experience that we were looking at having going into the season. That's a pretty big loss, bro. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not much to say there. It's just, it's a war of attrition. Uh, and it's a, we, we, um, we're, we're, we were already kind of thin going into the season uh, with Adisa Isaac being out and, and really losing <clears throat> Antonio Shelton to transfer and, and ultimately uh, Shane Simmons to transfer. These were players that were, you know, senior guys and, and, and they had experience and it just sucks to have already lost that. But then, you know, losing a guy who was playing at such a high level. Uh, I mean, the guy gained weight to be able to take on all these uh, double teams, and now the, we, we don't. I don't know if we have another guy to really fill those shoes at this point. Um, I, I, and and Devon Ellis kind of got dinged up a little. He came back in the game against Iowa, but he got dinged up, and we're anxious to see if if, if we even are at you know half, the half strength we were. Le- you know. Going into the Iowa game, it's it looks to be a little bleaker, and and I know that Illinois um, isn't a great team, but if you can control the clock against uh, against Penn State, you can do it through the running game, and they've got a, a really good running back, and it's going to be interesting to see if our our reserve guys can can hold up. I mean, we even we moved Jesse Lucay to the defensive line. We moved Nick uh, or what's his name uh, Charlie Catcher to the. Wait, is it Tarburton? No, Tarburton to the defensive Nick Tarburton, line. Tarburton, yeah. Um, he was a linebacker, so that's how that goes to show you how much of a need we we had going into both last season and this season at defensive line. And these are our guys that that were going to be like Jesse Lucate is now a starting defensive end for us essentially, and he had never really played that position before. <laughs> and that was and thanks doing to a the, great job at it. I might, yeah, add. no doubt, no doubt. But it just if that was our. If our uh, that goes to show you where our depth is, right? A guy that just yeah. made the, tr- the the transition in the preseason, not like last year or whatever preseason with the Idisa Isaac injury. That's how bad our depth is right now, and I think it'll start to really show if if that we keep get, keep getting into these kinds of hard fought Big Ten battles that you know to take take our guys out. Yeah. Um, speaking of injuries, um, Franklin also revealed that both Devin Ford and John Lovett, two of our uh, four uh, running backs, have gotten action this year. Uh, they both left the game uh, against Iowa with undisclosed injuries. Did not say they were out for the season, but um, was clarifying that they weren't seen um, throughout the game because of injury. Unclear whether they'll be back for the Illinois game. The last thing that. Um, Franklin mentioned um, was the booing of the uh, Iowa fans again, and this was after no booing uh, by the Iowa fans. Right, 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 right. Of yeah, the Iowa. yeah right. But, um, <laughs> we booed the, the Iowa fans after. <laughs> yeah, the, the the booing that was done by the Iowa fans uh, during uh, injuries, uh, you know, by Penn State players, and and part of the the discussing the injuries was, for, I think, Franklin trying to say, look, these were legitimate injuries. Like th- this was not a tactic that um, that was done. And um, yeah, you know, bro, it, it kind of left left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, obviously, Franklin wanted to um, address it again, and I think that just gets to you know, kind of this larger topic that we wanted to briefly touch on here about sort of the nature of major college football right now, what it's doing to the fans, what the pursuit of, of the teams, how it's sort of this self-reinforcing cycle. Um, and, um, that brings me to this, um, article that was written by, um, Pat 40 and, um, the dash. I just want to read, I just want to, what's that? The dash. 
the dash. Yeah. Um, I, thought, I know that gets under your skin that he refers I don't know to why. himself don't in know that why. way. Um, but um, this is um, from his article, um, his, his weekly 40 yard dash. And in the first quarter of his 40 yard dash, um, the headline was, has the sec taken things too far? And he um, has says this, the nation's best football league, and I don't know if he means that ironically or not. Um, the nation's best football There's league transition in cheek there, I bet. Yeah, uh, the nation's best football league transitioned from it just means more to by any means necessary. They've gone from passionate to pathological, intense to desperate, urgent to ruthless, and the main point that he brings up to illustrate this beyond what how they poached Texas and Oklahoma was what happened um, in the Tennessee and Ole Miss fan with Tennessee fans uh, throwing debris um, toward Ole Miss and um, uh, toward their coach, Lane Kiffin in particular, um, and how dangerous it was. I think it led to like something like a 20 minute delay. Mm-hmm. I uh, mean, of the I game. Mean, Tennessee's uh, own cheerleaders uh, dance team and band had to leave the field for the game because of how, of all the debris bottles golf balls I, I you know these are things that could do damage if hitting your face <laughs> eyes whatever and and there were cheerleaders seen leaving the field with their own like spirit signs the s- signs with their the words on them that they're trying to get the audience to chant they're using those signs to shield their heads and faces from the incoming debris from their own fans like I, I, now, you can make. Oh, maybe they weren't trying to hit them. That's really besides the point. The point is, you're chucking projectiles that <laughs> are are traveling long distances at great speeds that can do real damage to actual people. So yeah, uh, apparently there's a uh, this viral clip of um, Lane Kiffin actually one handing like a water yeah. bottle that came yeah. at him, you know, and um, he actually uh, had some sort of. Uh, clever uh, tweet at it or something like that. But uh, good for him for making light of the situation and not, you know, doubling down or whatever. Pat Forty is calling for, yeah, like he's calling for some pretty scathing, um, you know, actions to be taken by. Yeah. He said that Tennessee uh, should ban fans or the SEC should ban fans for the next Tennessee home game. Like they Except, should, I think he said everything but like uh, relative family and members or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, just as a consequence for that negative behavior, because and, because they, they is it Sankey's the SEC commissioner, yeah. Greg Sankey, because Greg Sankey Greg Sankey came out and was just like you know oh this is you know unacceptable like on, on every level and it's like well well how unacceptable how unacceptable is it, is it? yeah yeah I like, mean as a I'll say as a parent. Like, you know, and we'll say this to our kids, that's unacceptable. But like Eileen and I have said, like, if it's really unacceptable, like, how do you, how do you show that you're not willing to accept it? As opposed right. to just saying, I don't like that you mouth did that. service, lip service can is what we do all day, every day. With we 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 email and text, none of it matters. Like you, we were the actions that go along with the words that you're actually trying to convey. You know, yeah. Another uh, sign of the times, um, and he mentioned this in that same article. Um, there was an Alabama fan who shot and killed a Texas A and M fan in Alabama after that um, Texas A and M. Uh, loss apparently uh sorry, excuse me the texas a&m victory over alabama apparently they were arguing over which team was better right 
Like so, so when you, so when the SEC's own tagline and motto, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, is it, it's, it's, it just means more. Quote: It just means more. So, so is this the kind of more you want it to mean? And if you are touting how, how it just means more, and you're not, you know, doing something to stop the too much that that people are feeling. Then, then when it when you say it just means more, it's it's hollow. It doesn't like you, ring you know true it, the same way. You know what it makes me think of is that scene in Spaceballs where they're marooned on on that planet, and Lone Star says to the uh, princess, uh, "You know, take only what you need to survive." And she she has this huge trunk, right? You, and yep. and you yep. find out you open it up, and it's like this enormous hair dryer. It's her uh, industrial strength. <laughs> hair dryer and she can't live without it yeah and she's like screaming it at the top of her lungs yeah, and yeah. and like it's uh, it's so ridiculous and of course there's like kind of a little bit of a uh, misogynistic you know a joke there of like women can't deal without their hair stuff right, right but right. like <laughs> but the, those jokes weren't bad back then but but nonetheless it's it, this sort of this caricature of like how unimportant something is than how much importance that we can give it. And I, it feels like that's what, that's what the fans, that's what, I mean, the, the money grabbing that's going on in major college football right now. I mean, the move of uh, Oklahoma and Texas to the sec, it's like, we have misplaced the importance and I, of I don't want winning to, yeah. and of these college football teams on the field success. We've, we've, <laughs> we're saying like, I can't live without it. And yeah, you know, yeah. someone needs to say, uh, yes, you can. You gotta, you gotta leave that thing in the desert. Well, and, and to be clear, I know we're just using the sec, uh, you know, this stain as an example, I, I'm not here to say that Penn state isn't capable of it or that the big 10, uh, has never done it or that any school in the big 10 can't do this. Like, like I think college no, football in I, general is, dude. is all like responsible for this. Yeah, and and by the way, I I didn't get to mention this last time, but last week, at, right after the Iowa loss, um, I was very interested to learn about whether Franklin said anything about Clifford. So I did something that I almost never do, and I went to Twitter um, and did a search for Sean Clifford, Penn State injury. Oh, or, well, first of all, this is the first time hearing of this, and yeah. I bet you found some really horrible stuff. It was, I mean, it was awful stuff. A bit like the Penn State fans, State fans about yes. Clifford, right? Not just, but I or mean, about, not only Clifford, about but about Take Franklin, oh. about about Franklin, and and like how he's he's a, a loser, he's a joke, he's a pretender. You know, he's never gonna get this team where it needs to go. I mean, he's like after one law. I mean, like it, the vitriol was astonishing, and I get it. It's the dark corners of the internet, and and these kinds of things happen. But it was it was a window. Are they, it, are they the dark corners of the internet though? That's the see. That's the problem. <laughs> that's a great here. question. It's 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 like is fandom of these types of sports and these sporting teams are we just these entitled little brats that we we uh, presume that if our team doesn't win every single game that whoever's working to try and make that team great is obviously incapable of doing the job it's like so if 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 you want to fire fire franklin for losing one game 
Like, don't you dare get angry uh, or, or like, or, you know, see any like LSU uh, firing Ed Orgeron and Clay Helton getting fired. People are like, oh, my gosh, you know, those those teams are, are train wrecks and nightmares. Like they can't get their own organization to, to 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 keep a coach for X amount of years. But like our own fans are calling for Franklin to be fired after one game. Like, I don't know. It just gets a little annoying to to me to like, you know, you don't. We don't put faith. We don't give people the 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 extension of of um, you know that the, the the extension of time that that someone is needed to have to really not just get a team to where it needs to be, but to keep an organization going in that direction over time. You know, because here we are. You know, Ed or- Ed Orgeron's going to get fired, and he he only got hired because they just fired Les Miles. You know, and <laughs> right. Les Miles only got hired because, um, because of Nick Saban trying to, you know, look, do have a have a better job in the NFL. Like, there's this whole weird, like, like you said, was it uh, the self um, perpetuating cycle of, yeah. of the college football world and the college football coaching and and the money that that the money that it takes to keep that whole thing spinning. It's like they're gonna pay Ed Orgeron, I think, like forty million dollars. To be fired, it's like something yeah. egregious like that. It's insane. Yeah, it's, and it's it's gross. And how? Does, so where does that money come from? Who's paying that? It comes from you and me, man. When we tune into ESPN every every weekend to watch all that football, it's that we crazy love crazy so to me that we, and then this 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 cyclical nature of of firing coaches and hiring the next shiny one to keep your program shiny. And it's how like, many, bro, how many, how many teams every year feel like they, do you think feel like they have a shot at the championship or, or, you know, winning it or, or getting into the playoffs? How many, how many fans per year? How, how many teams? How many like, what teams? Do like, do you, do you feel like what that maybe like, you know, 12, 16, 20 teams who harbor some aspirations for making it sure. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. No, then. Okay. So. Each week, those twenty teams are taking the field, right. right, against another team. And and since we got rid of ties like twenty years ago, one of those teams that takes the field is going to lose every week. Right, right. And you know, it's more, like we've had more top twenty-five teams lose this year than ever in history. Either I, I don't understand <laughs> this concept that like the only acceptable, plausible outcome is a win. Like one of these two teams, many in many cases, two very good teams take the field at the same time, and one of them is going to walk away with a loss. That's just how it works. Yeah, you have to. I was a coach in. <laughs> I was a coach in baseball, you know, um, rec league baseball for you know maybe ten years while Juan was a, playing baseball. And uh, one of the things I t- talk to my kids about every week, and I had some good teams and I had some bad teams in terms of win and loss and and talent. But mm-hmm. I said baseball's a really great sport to teach you how to lose with grace. So every time you go up to the plate, like you have a better chance of striking out or getting out than you do of of getting a hit and getting on base. And you know, I I feel like we've really just lost sight of the fact that like losing is a part of life. Right, failure is a part of life. Right, and so that know, we, it's, it's so unacceptable that we have to we have to go to all the most extreme measures to make sure we ne- never we're not going to lose like that ever again, 
right? Like, yeah, I just it's, it's embarrassing. It's so <laughs> you know, the thing we talked about when we were sort of uh, sort of previewing this this article too is that like there's really a there's a means means and ends ideology here that is is mm-hmm. backwards, right? Like, yeah, there's a sort of sense that like any means necessary to get to the end of having an quote unquote elite football team or whatever, like a championship winning football team. And you know, like that, that Orgeron team that won, like you, you were telling me that there was a booster that got sent to prison the, the week very before the week, the week before, before they, they won, won the, the national, national title. title, the week that for the, embezzling, he like went several to prison, hundred thousand dollars. He went to prison. I think like within that week. Yeah. If I read it right in the article or, or this other article that I found, I'm embezzled seven hundred thousand dollars from eight hundred children's 800, hospital, from a children's hospital, and and funneled one hundred and eighty thousand of it to a a LSU offensive lineman's family. So you know that's this is that means to ends, and like people say, oh well, that's unethical. He went to jail. He should have. But like this is the sort of behavior that is more or less tolerated around college football well and you were talking about tolerated tennessee yeah they they were they were yeah. literally about to hire uh greg shiano and their whole fan base went on the internet and was in an uproar about it and they smeared greg shiano's name and then they didn't they didn't either they just had hired him and then they fired him or they just didn't hire him i forget what it was but like you let a rabid fan base on the internet control the the person you wanted to hire to be your head coach so you're giving you're giving that much power to your fans to to say that they know how to run your organization better than you do i, I venture to say that you shouldn't be if you're listening to your fans you you're you already removed yourself from being the right person for already even making that decision of who should be hired yeah, and how's it? How's that decision turned out for them anyway? Right, yeah, it has not turned out great. Look, sure. so there's two things I just want to say about this means to ends. The first, the first is that the sh- the playing for the short term game and the quick fix, as often as not, or more often than not, um, it fails in the long run. Right, right. It just it just fails. It's to, to do You're anything doomed to lasting. It. You're doomed to repeat it. Exactly, and to do anything lasting, it takes a process. It takes integrity of that process, and it, you're not going to get there quickly. You know, I mean, Penn State's been, and we're assuming here that Penn State maybe is not part of this, um, this movement in, in the same way that some of these other teams were mentioning. We don't know. Uh, but like, hasn't left yet. You know, the, right, exactly. Even though he's been talked about <laughs> right now right. for this LSU in addition to the USC opening. But like, the, 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 it looks like Penn State has said, we want to take play the long game and build over the long run. And, you know, last year's result notwithstanding, uh, it seems to be working out to Penn State's benefit. They Their recruiting classes are getting better. Their talent's getting better. You know, they're in close games. They're... they're but so that's the one thing. The long game in the long run is a more sustainable way to do it, I think. But the second thing is, and this to me is a more important point, that we treat means and ends like they're like they're different things. But the truth is the way that you go after your goal, the means that you use actually has the power to shape you and change you. So if you're always only worrying about and caring about the wins and doing whatever it takes to get them, then before you know it, everything you did to get 
to get those wins, it has be, it has consumed you. you yeah, so exactly right. Your ethics exactly have been right. have been have been you know plucked away at, and your morals have been decaying over time. And before you know it, all of college football is this giant hollow thing that once was great and now is just like. You can't even you can't you can't count on it to 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 be that special thing it once was and anymore. Yeah, and you know, I we've touched on this from time to time. But you know, we've been looking at the college football landscape, the major college football landscape over the last few years and you know, we've wondered is is the game getting so far away from what we loved when we were kids that it's unrecognizable? And it it feels that way sometimes. Yeah. And um, Pat Forty's article just sort of brought that to the surface. I guess I want to leave this conversation with a question of, well, what's what's Penn State's place in all of this? You know, and uh, you know, from my part, I want to say a big part of my sense of love for the Penn State football program. And I, I do hope I'm keeping it in its place and I'm not letting it become too big in my life and I can have perspective. But a big part of the love that I do have for it is that there is that success with honor mentality um, and that you know we aren't doing the sort of things behind the scenes, the the shady boosterism, you know, the win at all costs kind of mentality. And I think in some respects, I mean, Penn State was hit with the stain of that Sandusky scandal. And um, a big part of that stain was a sense that, you know, under the veneer of Paterno's success with honor mantra, they they sort of let this evil slide in order not to harm the program. And personally, I don't agree with that characterization. But we saw the, uh, you know, what it does to you to have the taint of that kind of, um, you know, that, that kind of thing as part of your program. And we also saw the Penn State community rally around and say, we're not going to let that define us and we're going to keep doing it the right way for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. I really hope that that's where Penn State still is at this point under James Franklin because win at all costs is not something that I'm interested in. And that would really have a detrimental effect well, on would- my sense of being able to be a Penn State fan. And, and as much as I, we both hope that that is, you know, the case for Penn State, I, I hope that the, you know, because we're really just talking about the soul of college football, too, you know, and, and in some Absolutely. respects, and in some, in maybe even the larger respect, uh, the soul of, uh, you know, our nation, uh, I, you know, I, because we are all, you know, people of this nation that w- love this college football thing, and that's, it's a large contingent of this of this country that enjoys college football. I mean, the 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 biggest drawing uh, television events every year are college football games, by far. I I don't I, NFL no. Um, maybe you can point to like a, in a in an election year if there's some sort of um, you know s- keynote speaker at some something getting ready. To make yeah, a I, don't so, I, I don't think so, bro. I don't think. But my point is, you get it. College yeah. football is a yeah. large. Large piece of the of the American pie, and so so one thing that I personally am hopeful for is you know the Big Ten, the ACC, and uh, the Pac-12 formed an alliance, um, and my hope is that they formed that alliance 
not to to worry about the television dollars and to just schedule some some higher quality and caliber uh, teams against one another in the regular season, but I hope that they look at it from a more of a where is the soul of of this sport going, and can we do something to to um, you know fortify where where you know where we want us to be and make sure we don't go down roads that we don't want this sport to go down? Because I think that when they saw the SEC pulling over Texas and Oklahoma, they're like, well, clearly they're thinking bottom dollar. And I know that Big Ten expanded a few years ago and a, and a couple different times over the years, and certainly dollars were a part of that. But I think that there, there's there got to be a line drawn somewhere. And I'm not even saying I've heard that this is what this alliance is about, but I'm hoping that they try and form some sort of ethical uh, standards that they're trying to adhere by and to moving forward. That would really make sense to me, and that would really also be, I think, something that would be vital for the sport moving forward because I still believe that uh, where it's going right now is is only in the wrong direction overall. You know, it's interesting, um, you know, Paterno's legacy is is certainly tainted at this point, but but during the height of his, um, you know, his program, he really saw himself as a counterweight to the Southern football programs, mm-hmm. you know, with their win at all costs mentality that that his mantra of success with honor, high graduation rates, you know, focus on education, a focus on being part of the university community, which you saw with, you know, his major donations to Penn State University, both to the library, as well as to the chapel, by the way, um, you know, so I. You know, again, regardless of where you land on sort of Paterno's legacy at this point, uh, you can't deny that that was a big part of, you know, of his ethos. And it feels like we need someone or a group of people to kind of say, yeah, no, there's more to college football than simply win at all costs. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if that kind of counterweight can emerge maybe through this alliance or through some other things. I mean, educational institutions are a major backbone of this country. And if we're letting the money that controls college football control universities, where yeah, does that right. go? Where does that go? Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, these well, are the state institutions where the, the largest amount of kids are going, you know? So, by and large, at least. Well, I guess, you know, for me, and I would say for our, uh, for our faithful podcast listeners, you're still with us here. My, my encouragement would be that um, we enjoy the fun of college football, that we keep it in perspective at the same time. And, um, you know, that we, at Penn, as Penn State fans anyway, continue to try embody the uh, success with honor idea and um, express uh, appreciation, uh, gratitude for those good things, and to, uh, you know, to keep our heads when things don't go as well as we would like. And, um, and while, while we all know that a lot of these kids are, are trying to, you know, move on and, and, and make have a chance to make some money in the NFL, Everything below college football and leading up into college football, it's this sport is a game. It's a game that we have found a way to monetize at a level that that most nations don't even have these kinds of dollars flowing in and out. You know, so it's this is a game, and we're supposed to enjoy it. And and every all of our emotional reactions to winning and losing should be taken into perspective of the fact that it is just a game and those are just other people the playing it <laughs> exactly um so um well let's let's wrap that up uh for the moment um 
uh, maybe we'll get back to it at a later date if uh, if the uh, occasion requires. Yeah. Um, but speaking of keeping things in perspective, uh, we're going to turn our attention now to our midseason review, uh, and we're going to look at. Um, the last six games, first half of the season, uh, try to get sort of a uh, an overview and and look at some of the different pieces that have uh, brought us to where we are right now. So, um, bro, why don't you start us off just with your overview thoughts about Penn State uh, so far halfway through the season? Well, here's what I know. Um, last year we started zero and five. This year we started five and one, and. Let's everything that w- that's going on with this team. Let's just be thankful that we are at least a team that is five and one. We could be, be two and you could be, we could be two and five right now. We could be we could be zero oh and six again. We could be you know it's just I, I'm I'm if you had told me after zero oh and five last year that we could be we'd be five and one and the seventh ranked team in the seventh ranked team in the country with only one loss to the uh well what would become the number two team or were they two or three there were two. Right, yeah. Iowa went down as the number two team, so I would say, hey, you're crazy, but uh, yeah, I'll take it, of course. So the overview of this team is kind of through that lens, not through the lens of uh, uh, what do we got to do to be national champions. You know what I mean? It's through the a, a larger perspective lens. So um, to be perfectly honest with you, Clifford has turn it completely around, um, but without him, it does feel like we could lose a grip on the season if we don't figure out how to uh, keep him healthy or if we don't figure out how to get Taquan Roberson spun up on this team moving forward. Um, but again, with minus that the, that one thing, healthy, healthy Clifford and a, a, a better prepared Taquan Roberson, this team has pre- prepared um, well for what for the challenge that they have had to face this year, and they looked really they look really good doing it. I mean, we have a top ranked defense again. It, it, we are back to being the number four um, uh, scoring defense in the country, um, and we're still we're st- we still have all our goals in front of us. So uh, if you if you got anything quickly to add to that, we can start diving into some of the other subjects of the midseason review. Yeah, I'll just say. Um I agree. Other than like, you know, one bad half with our backup quarterback, um, you know, this has been a season that's really exceeded all expectations. The team has risen to the occasion each and every moment they've, they've needed to against short of that second half of the Iowa game. And even then we came really close yeah. to hanging on. Um, the, the only other thing I'll say, just an overview, uh, the transfer portal has been very, very good to us this year. And in fact, in a lot of ways has made our season, um, you know, what it, what it is up to this point, uh, especially on defense. Uh, think about um, Arnold Epichetti, of course, uh, but not just him. Uh, it was uh, Jair Brown, right? As a safety. Uh, and also Jaquan Brisker. Yeah. Um, Jordan Stout even is a transfer yep. guy who's yep. having a heck of a season. Without Jordan so, Stout, we don't have the same we don't we don't have the same season. I promise you that. Field position is legit. Not giving up big big punts, not giving up big um uh, kickoff returns. It's huge. You, you yeah, don't so know what you don't know what you got till it's gone and we're going to we're going to see that at yeah. some point once he leaves. Yeah, so the 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 
portal transfer giveth and the portal transfer taketh away, you know, the loss of Will Levis is also shown to be, you know, at least at this point, halfway through the season, um, a pretty significant loss. Um, we'll see if uh, Taquan Roberson, uh, as our backup quarterback, can can improve on, on his Iowa game. Uh, but, you know, uh, the other thing, and we'll get into this in a moment, is the, the really the only weakness of this team, glaring weakness of this team, is in our run game. That's the only thing I haven't seen really kind of work itself out halfway through the season here. Um, and we're going to need to keep an eye on that um, for the second half of the season. But um, let's take a little closer look at the offense and just what we've seen from the offense. You already mentioned Son Clifford, right? I mean, his absence shows just how important <laughs> he has been to this team. Yeah, I mean, and again, if you had if you had told me that after you know five losses last year that this that that you know halfway through next season that we would be a different and better team with him and that we would lose a game without him, I'd be like. Uh, you're crazy. I mean, he looks terrible. You know, no, this guy has figured it out with a with a brand new offensive coordinator yet again, a new offensive system again, and he looks confident out there, and he has full command of the offense. He's getting the the ball to all his receivers, um, all, all of them. Like he's, I think he's um, all the receivers, including Cam Sullivan. Um, he has been getting the ball to uh, all three of his tight ends and and, and some several of his backs and 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 these are like Jahan Dotson doesn't have a single drop all season you know not only is Clifford getting it to him but 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 Dotson is also helping Clifford be better uh, along the way so yeah Dotson has been a revelation this season I mean he was he was good last year but he's just He's just taking it to another level. Um, you know, was disappointed to see him shut down as well in that second half of that yeah. Iowa game. Um, credit to the well, Iowa felt defense. Felt like he could have done a better quarterback job. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> he can't the, catch uh, his own balls, though. Two, you know? Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, but you know, I, I would say the Clifford that we've seen this year is the one that I expected to see last year. Yeah. Same. And, um, you know, if it, if it hadn't been for last year, I would have said, um, this is no surprise. So it's really great to see, um, you know, I would say in addition to that, outside of the first half of the Wisconsin game, there's not been a minute of football that Clifford has been in this season that I have felt worried or upset or or anxious about how the offense is going to run. Except I that mean, first interception at Iowa. I mean, even then, that like, was a little he came, back, he came back the very sure, next sure. the very next drive, and, and he was right know, back in command. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, so maybe one minute, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. There we go. <laughs> but I mean, it's just you know, uh, obviously, huge storyline for the second half of the season is going to be a question about whether Clifford's able to play, particularly um, with that Ohio State game looming in a couple weeks. But um, you know, in addition to Dotson on the receiver uh, side of the ball, we've got um, Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert Smith, very very reliable. Um, second and third options at receiver. Um, Parker has, in some cases, you know, kind of, um, you know, shown over, you know, over, overshadowed uh, Jahan Dotson um, in some of his performances, just making great catches and multi touchdown games. And um, outside of a couple drops, Kandra Lambert Smith has also been very, very solid. Yeah, he's come a long, a long way since last year, where we we, we thought he was gonna. 
what he is this year is what we thought he would be last year, I think. So I think last year was kind of like a blip in the um, the maturation, uh, uh, you know, growth for some of these players. Like, uh, you know, Clifford, if he could have been uh, what he is last year, I'm sorry, what he is this year, last year, I think he could have, you know, even even grown better this year. But he kind of like blipped over that that whole that whole season in terms of getting you know the, the proper tutelage from the right quarterback coach and getting his mechanics down right and you know now he's just forced to he, this whole offseason this year was like breaking habits and and maybe Keandre Lambert Smith had a little bit of that going on from last year into this year where this year is the real year he's able to like take that leap that we thought it would be last year. Yeah, so the the wide receivers have been great. The tight ends we've seen them in flashes. I, you know, particularly in that Auburn game, I, I'm a little surprised that they haven't been better utilized. Yeah, especially with Franklin saying this is the best tight end room he's ever had yeah. as a, a you know as a coach. Um, we've got some great talent there. It seems. Well, do, you, like they, do you think that's because of uh, a, a philosophy from a, a coaching level, or is that just maybe has Clifford just you know wanted to go to his receivers more? Like, do you? I, I, that's a great question. You know, I, I would say you know again, second half of that Iowa game, Roberson really could have used those tight ends. Uh, you know, Bretton Strange, of course, did have a critical drop, and we didn't see a lot of Theo Johnson. Haven't heard that he was injured or anything like that, but he just wonder what's going on there nonetheless the passing game has just been reliable solid and in some cases electric it's the run game on the offense right the run game that's really been the real problem and 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 i don't know i don't know what to say about that at this point i really don't um because even even last year when we were not good we got kevon lee going right yep yep but that was also I don't know if we we didn't really get Kevon Lee going second half of the season for, until the second half of the season that's what I'm saying so so maybe there's still a chance this thing get, gets right you know I I I feel like we are literally about to experience two different seasons right now that first yeah. six games was its own season with the way this bye week has has lined up and the way that coming off of that Iowa loss and Clifford getting injured. It's like it's like everything during this bye week is building up to this whole different season we're about to have because we have, what, you know, th- three top ten teams we got to play moving forward? Yeah. Ohio it's, State, uh, uh, Michigan, really, Michigan State. Really daunting second half of the schedule. I mean, they're giving these other these, they're giving these other you know other than Ohio State, they're giving Michigan and Michigan State a lot of credit for for what they're doing right now. Um, I, you Did know, you know I, that that none of the top four teams in the uh, Big Ten East have played each other yet? Yeah, it's about to be a different season. That's what I'm saying. Everything's it, yeah, about really to get is. turned upside down. What what you thought this 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 season was could totally change. So yeah. so yeah. And, and Penn State is. Like I, I keep saying, they have it all in front of them. It's really a critical point in this season is going into this Illinois game and getting some things correct. Yeah. So before we get into the sort of second half of the season and then the Illinois game specifically, let's just uh, turn our attention to the defense because while the offense is getting a lot of the attention, uh, just you know, it's it's fun to watch. It's you know, wait, 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 wait. Before you get to the defense, I'm sorry to to talk about the run the run game specifically. I I, I meant to to kind of get into that a little. Oh, bit you you because sort of, of went on a sidetrack. I did. I did. I did. I, I mentioned Keevon okay, Lee to get going to the second 
second half of of the season yeah. last year. Yeah, bring and, us back to the run game. And and, and he he is. For, and maybe you don't know this because who the heck's really paying attention to who are our best running backs? Uh, because you're, we're playing five of them so far, it's, it, and and it's just not it's not working out. But Kevon Lee is our leading rusher. Wow! On only thirty eight carries through six games. And that's not wow. to say that he's the leading rusher and his numbers are incredible. I'm saying that's how bad our running game is. Yeah, I will <laughs> like, say just from the eye test. He seemed like the best back we have, yeah. and I wanted to see more of him. And sadly, I don't even think he has a single touchdown this year, does he? I don't. I don't know. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't have a touchdown this season. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's why sure we've gotten all that many rushing touchdowns at all. But he, in any he case, he has 204 yards on 38 carries for an average of 5.4 yards per carry and zero touchdowns. And I would love at. to see that's more at. At, through Stephon Lee. And and particularly if um, you know Devin Ford and John Lovett are injured, maybe we will see more of him. But um, you know, so. I think that I think the O line has got to get their act together. And I think um, yeah, we just we need more reliable production out of the run game, especially if Sean Clifford is banged up um, against teams that have a, a, a ferocious defense. Yeah. Um, like the ones we're about to see um, in the second half of the season, uh, not having a strong run game is really going to like, I, I think you said earlier, um, you know, being a one dimensional team is, is, is not a recipe for success. Um, when you, it's when not you, how you you're going to win high... any, any conference titles. It's not how right. you're going to be, you know, voted into the playoff. It's not how you're going to win a playoff game. They have to, in my, in my opinion, they have to figure out this run game. They have to do it, and and you know, if it's if it's even getting the running the, or the quarterback more involved, you gotta do it. You 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 have to figure out a way. You have to. Well, uh, speaking of winning championships, let's talk about this defense mm-hmm. because this defense has held salt. Now we got PJ Mustafer out for the season, and that that could have a, a huge uh, effect on the rest of the season for our D. But um, this defense, what do you say, that we're you know seventh in the nation or fourth in the nation, or where are we in the nation in scoring it, defense? We're fourth right now. That's incredible, man. Um, this defense has been quietly just having an incredible season, um, and – uh, you know, the D-line has just been stout. We were worried about the D-line, and now I'm worried about it again because Mustafa's out. But like AK, uh, Ebiketti, and Jesse Lucada on the end have been dynamic. It seems like each and every series, they're making incredible plays. They're putting tons of pressure on the quarterback. Our linebackers have been solid. I would say they have not been Kurt, outstanding, Kurt, although uh, Curtis, Curtis Jacobs, Jacobs is last getting game, better. Yeah, he's getting Curtis better. Jacobs' this last game was making some splash plays. Um, you know, and there's potential for growth there. I think that's the next step for our defense is for those linebackers to really begin having some game-changing, game-wrecking plays. It's been in front of them. They've had some opportunities, and they just missed them the first half. Yeah. And we're going to need those plays in the second half. And then, of course, the secondary has been as advertised, short of the one uh, long pass, 44-yard touchdown in the Iowa game. They've just really – they've kept 
games from getting out of hand. They've kept us in games. They've won games for us up other than that Iowa game. Um, and again, I, I got to give them a little bit of a pass for how long they were on the field that second half of that Iowa game. They played incredible defense. The, the whole defense. Yeah, we kept saying like, all season. I, kept, I kept saying it was it felt like Wisconsin in the sense that like our defense was just on the field and on the field and on the and I just kept saying in that Wisconsin game like I did in the Iowa game. I was like, they can't hold up like this. And and to and they they held up, but like we just needed a little more from the offense, just a little bit more, and just in the, just five more minutes field, of possession, just for right? a field position change. Yeah, yeah, like and so I, it just that's why that's why the you know that run game is that 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 important. It's it's literally it's it's a minute or two per drive to hang on to the ball for a little bit longer that that you can get a few more yards that you can give your defense a little bit better chance to hold up. So, uh, where do we go from here, bro? We we've talked about the run game. We've uh, talked about the the quarterback question. Uh, we've talked about the the challenging schedule on the back half. What 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 do we, what do we expect from this team the second half? What's it going to take for you know all the hopes that we have, the possibilities in front of us? What's it going to take for that to come together? Uh, listen, we're going to absolutely positively unequivocally need Clifford to be healthy. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way around it. If if Clifford isn't going to be able to go in this Illinois game, which I think we all expect is is to be the case, um, we've heard some some um, uh, rumors and, and bum scoop about uh, Clifford uh, being ready to go for the Ohio State game and a very slim shot for him being ready to go for the Illinois game. But if um, Taquan Roberson is the guy... At least we have Illinois up next because, uh, you know, you, you were saying to me, like, hey, it's one thing to shove Taquan Roberson in there under those conditions. You know, it's another thing to let this guy have two weeks of preparation with the first-team offense, you know, throwing to those guys in practice, being ready to go against one specific opponent with him being the, the number one guy. Like, it, we should see a different product. And if we don't, then we'll just have to – we know what we've got at, at our number two – quarterback spot and there's really nothing more nothing you can do about it you know he either is is number two guy or he is you know we all thought he'd be better than what he was and he's just not so i I, i'm pretty sure he was a four-star quarterback recruit if he wasn't he was certainly a three-star um but you know what we've seen happen with three stars at penn state before trace mcsorley uh you know was the guy for several years for us breaking records left and right it's not like franklin hasn't had to turn a three-star quarterback into a star quarterback right so you know we'll, we'll know what we got at quarterback um you know in this illinois game and if and if clifford's not ready to go for for ohio state we are in trouble moving forward uh, yeah know. i think um we've got kind of three versions of the season going forward we've got the version with a healthy sean clifford we've got the version with uh, a banged up sean clifford and we got the version with Taquan Roberson. Right. And we might see bits and pieces of, of all three <laughs> of all three of those, you know, and depending on depending on where we are, it might you know, it might shape the outcome. I I'll say as good as our defense has been and we'll of course preview the Ohio State game when we get there, but as good as our as good as our defense has been, I don't see us being able to to keep the lid on the Ohio State offense to allow a Taquan Roberson led Penn State offense to 
to stay in that game. I, might, I you know, might not even be enough with a with a, cl- a healthy Clifford. With a Sean Clifford, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I agree with you. So, um, you know, again, this is based on what we saw in the second half of the Iowa game with Taquan Roberson, and and you know maybe he'll surprise us against Illinois. Um, you know, maybe he's the second coming of Trace McSorley, and we just, you know, he just Trace was out lost of sorts. Games. Trace yeah, has had some bad true. games for Penn State, just for it's what it's true. worth. So I never looked. You know. He never looked that bad in my mind. But <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Even when he even even when he lost the Pittsburgh game, he still threw for like 350 yards or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. So, um, but 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 still, you know, it, I, I'm willing to give the guy, uh, you know, some the benefit of some doubt. Uh, well, if he if we see him for Illinois, uh, that'll give us a much better sense of his potential. But I, I would be surprised that. I feel like we would have to really recalibrate our expectations for the season if if Taquan Roberson is the primary uh, quarterback that we, we have, see. We'll have half. no choice but to recalibrate our expectations. I don't think any. I don't think anyone in their right mind is just going to assume that we could run the table with Taquan Roberson. I mean, I. I, I may, and if and if we do, holy crap! How did we get it so wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we we're eating crow a little bit about Sean Clifford right now. So you know, um, so yeah, stranger things have happened. But um, yeah, I, you know, for me, bro, I I think to me, I think a five and one second half is very reasonable if Sean Clifford is healthy. Um, and and that one loss to me. It is a toss-up with that Ohio State game. It could go either way, depending on uh, on any number of factors. But the way Ohio State's playing right now, uh, I feel like you got to give them a bit of an edge on in that game. But all the other all the other games, I feel like Penn State should be in it. Um, between our defense and our offense, we should be able to be in it. I think with take on Roberson, like you know, just chuck everything out the window. We might be lucky to win two games the rest of the season. The reality is, might be. Yikes. Halfway in between, right? I mean, we might, but the reality may be somewhere in between, depending on it, whether Clifford is truly healthy. Um, which, you know, if he's got a cracked rib or a bruised, I'm not going to think about the or, rest of the season like that yet. I'm just not okay, going to do enough. it. I'm just fair not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because. Because I, I want to like, know, right? I, well, you Wanna just know. said you just said we got to give him the benefit of the doubt, and like I can't doubt you know him at, at, in Beaver Stadium against Illinois until he's proven like that you know if you're given the keys and and 2 weeks to prepare like I haven't seen that yet so how could I possibly presume to know just based on I mean dude Iowa was like a team of destiny for the first you know 6 games of their season yeah now it looks like they they have real trouble <laughs> Well, I mean, we were just a product of that 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 yeah. first six game destiny. Yes, true. You know, so we'll see. We'll find out. I I don't feel great about it, but you are right that like the, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. I guess you know. All right, uh, let's let's leave it there, um, sure. and we're gonna take a turn uh, to look at Illinois. But before we do that, we do have uh, one mailbag entry. So let's go ahead and open the mailbag. Mailbag time. So, uh, thanks for um, our our good buddy Joel Bettner writing in again. This is getting to be a theme here, and that that theme is that we did not 
uh, read his uh, mailbag prior to the Iowa game, and he he's very superstitious, and he thinks that's the reason we lost. So now we are going to always read a mailbag from Joel Bettner so that at least until we lose, and that and that way we know that he's just full of crap. But uh, so he wrote in, and and he, and we've got a true another true and false for him, true or false, excuse me. That would be, you should be glad Iowa lost this weekend. True or false? Um. Well, before I answer for myself, I just want to go ahead and say that um, <laughs> we had a we had a a a, a conversation via text, all of us, about how we wanted Iowa to lose. Uh, a, a crippling game, did we not? Yeah, totally. You s- tell them what that. Tell them a little bit about why we wanted that. Uh, well, or how uh, we wanted it to go down. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we just we wanted all of Iowa's hopes to be like raised sky high, and then we wanted Penn State to be the the one who who brought the hurt down and crushed their their season uh, potentially in the, in the conference championship in the game, conference championship game. Yeah, could exactly. still be the case. By the way, right? Not right, off the yeah. table yet. But what we really wanted was just for Iowa to, like you said, be sky high, but like get to the to the almost to the pinnacle. To yeah. be the best that they've ever been in history, and then get utterly, like brutally embarrassed and humiliated on a national stage, and and while Purdue did that, it wasn't big enough. It wasn't <laughs> bad enough. It wasn't I mean, as it's bad pretty, as we wanted it to be. It was pretty big. They were number two playing unranked Purdue, and they looked absolutely abysmal. They looked I, I just pathetic. feel like I they feel like there was, the fallout's not going to be a, a, enough. Like it, I don't know. Yeah. Just, well, so so here true or false, you should be glad that Iowa lost this right. weekend. I'm going to say true because at this point I hate Iowa. Yeah. What they did to, not 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 on the field, but like how their fans reacted and how their coach responded to the booing and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know what? Yeah, would it be better for Penn State that they would run the table and Penn State meet them in the Big Ten championship game? Yeah, but at this point, you know, there's a little bit of what goes around comes around. Like, there's a little bit of like. The old karma train rolled. Yeah, it down. <laughs> it's a little bit of karmic restitution, so to yeah. speak. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't want the program to, you know, be banned for life or anything like that. Uh, right, but like, right. you know, like I, but like for them to like get knocked off of their high horse one week after they felt so good about themselves, that feels pretty good. They to me. rushed the field when they lost to a low, or they beat, excuse me, they <laughs> they beat a a lower ranked team and they rushed the field. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I get yes. it. I honestly do get it. It's the biggest game you guys have played in a very very long time when it comes to just like you know rankings being what they were, but. That that's like if you were they were not even the underdog they were the favored to win so you i've never i don't know the last time a favored to win team who beat a lower ranked team rushed their own field Look, uh, I don't know whether I should be glad that Iowa lost this. You weekend, just but are. I am glad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how about you? Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, 
the, the, I see both sides of this. I see the 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 I see wanting them to run the table so we 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 murder them or something in the conference championship game. But I don't feel good right now as it stands. I'm just gonna say it. I don't feel good about making the conference championship game right now. This doesn't feel like we're we we need to rebuild a lot of momentum after that Iowa loss. I feel like as a, as a team and with the injuries we have, it's it's. It, it's hard to see that momentum getting built the way it could or should be without those injuries. So I'm not saying we can't do it. I'm just saying I don't feel really good about it. So I'm going to say, just like you said, true. It's good. I'm very glad that Iowa lost because I, I'm glad it happened like directly on the heels of, of their quote-unquote biggest game in, in, in years. So however, our good buddy Joel... Who is I feel like just a the all time contrarian. He <laughs> he he says false. We wanted them to have a great season and come so close to a glorious finish, and then have all their dreams dashed. And we wanted them to be, and we wanted we wanted to be the team to do it in the Big Ten title game. Yeah, that's say that, that's the perfect that re- world. Yeah, right. We well, want that, that result too. is still out in front of us, by the way. True. You know, um, I guess the other thing is that 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 loss um, it does. It stings a little bit um, because Penn State had that opportunity the previous week. That could have been us beating Iowa that way. It shows that Iowa is, in fact, vulnerable. And the fact that we weren't able to exploit it, um, you know, I, I, I guess I would, it would have been nicer to know that Iowa had more chops yeah. than that, than getting beat by Purdue. But well, uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, and we did, we did drop a spot in the ranking, I think, Partly because Iowa lost so pathetically, we didn't so, drop. We stayed the same. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't go anywhere. We're still seventh. No, oh, Iowa oh, someone jumped below over us. us. Yeah, true. Iowa dropped <laughs> below. Right. They dropped way uh, below. It, us. They lost to an unranked team. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, you you can be crazy. ranked below the team you just beat because of how pathetic your last loss was against like unranked that. Purdue. Which, by the way, Purdue has the number five scoring defense in the country, ranked right behind oh. us. Dang. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's sneaky good. I mean, they held Iowa to seven. That's you know, amazing. Which we could have held Iowa to seven. Yeah. We would have won that game. <laughs> yeah, we could have. We had yeah. the opportunity to. Yeah, we just yeah, yeah. couldn't make it happen. All right. Well, hey, you know what? Let's put Iowa behind us forever. Mm-hmm. At least for this season. For, and let's, yeah, for, for this regular and, season. And let's look ahead <laughs> to the Illinois game. We're not going to take a whole lot of time on no, this. No, we're because not. It's Illinois, they're bottom feeders, and if we have to get into a situation the where we're fighting bringing... Brett Belima bottom feeders, <laughs> nice, <laughs> I like it. Um, if we're in a situation where we're wringing hands over Illinois, um, we're in a bad situation. So yeah. here's the here's the deal with this game. Um, it's going to be a noon kickoff. Um, televised by ABC. It's our homecoming game. So, you know, a lot of excitement on campus, I think, around around that. Hopefully that helps to bring some energy to the game for these uh, for these guys coming off of that um, bye week and the, and the loss preceding that. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, Illinois is just, they're not having a great season. Penn State, in spite of um, uncertainty around the quarterback position is a 23 point favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, y- we are four and all- one in our last five games and they're one and four in their last five games. Let's put it that way. 
Both teams coming yeah. off a bye. Uh, Illinois with a brand new coach and Brett Bielema. He's not having. A, he, they they won their first game against Nebraska. Then they lost four straight in a row. Their their lone win since beating Nebraska is against Charlotte, and a lot of their offensive statistics are are kind of um, uh, inflated because of that Charlotte game. Um, and but they just are coming off of a brutal Wisconsin loss. Wisconsin beat them twenty four to nothing. Wisconsin. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like this is a a bad Wisconsin team, and Wisconsin handled Illinois with ease, with ease, with a bad quarterback. <laughs> so uh, we 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 have the ability to to kind of do that similar thing to Illinois that Wisconsin did. It's just a matter of our is our emotion. Where's our emotional meter right now? Yeah, yeah. What's what's our discipline going to be like? Are we going to be able to, you know, um, have the confidence that we had? You know the first five games of this season. I mean, look at where Iowa's emotional meter was coming off of that yeah. big game. We both yeah, are coming out of true. a big emotional game. We had a, a letdown final two, three quarters. Is that going to bleed? Did that bleed into our bye week? Did it bleed through our bye week? Did it totally saturate our our season outlook moving forward from the team, from the inside the team's perspective, or are they strong enough, mentally strong enough, to 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 snap out of any sort of like uh, letdown after a game like that? You know. Yeah. So you mentioned um, you mentioned Penn State and Illinois both coming off of a bye week. You knew yeah. who else was coming off of a bye week. Who? Purdue. Oh, yeah. You know, they had a whole extra week of prep to take on the number two team in the country in Iowa. And, um, you know, if there's anything that worries me beyond the question of Penn State's emotional tenor is that here's Illinois looking to turn around their season in the second half, and they've got a whole extra week of preparation to make a statement going into – Enemy territory, Beaver Stadium, and try and put something together that they have an all season against a Penn State team that maybe is not paying attention or a little injured at quarterback or whatever. I just I hope that that our coaches are looking at it the the same way you just outlined uh, Illinois coaches looking at it because like you said we're both coming out of a bye week so I hope that our coaches and players are like all right we got two weeks to prepare for Illinois you know we got to win that game because if you don't win that game uh, each game from this point on matters increasingly more with that Iowa loss if you are if you are still going for your greatest goals. You know, and, yeah, I, and it's I know really that Franklin says want to know every every week, but we're we're fools if we're not thinking that Franklin and the team want to win the Big Ten, right? That yeah. is the goal. Well, I mean, he and he talks about that the way you do that is the process, and the process is you just focus on the one game that's in front of you because right. focusing ahead, right? What what's the team that we have right after Illinois? <laughs> It's Ohio yeah. <laughs> State. So you know, if you have a if you have a group of guys who's really not looking at Illinois, really not respecting them, not paying attention to them, and thinking about that Ohio State game, very well. If you, if you have got a focused Illinois team coming in, um, who you know, by the way, these are scholarship Division One athletes. You know, they may not be you know, four and five star athletes across the board like Penn State is likely to be, but you know, these are you know, young men who know how to play the game of football at a high level, they can. Well, much get you. like much like how I I I want the, I need the team to bounce back. 
the team's made up of a collection of individuals, and I need we need guys on an individual level to bounce back. To, yeah, I agree with that. Tariq Castro Fields needs to bounce back after giving up that you know big touchdown uh, that, that basically sealed Penn State's fate against Iowa. Um, we need um, we need a defensive linemen who are false starting left and right to, to bounce back mentally and have a better game. You know, offensive linemen. You mean? I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, offensive. Linemen, yeah, false starts left and right. How many false starts do we have in that game? Um, I, like eight, I, I, honestly. Felt like it, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, there were at least uh, three in two different series. <laughs> we're gonna need these guys to get get their heads spun back around and have and bounce back. How about the running backs? You know, yeah, bouncing back, right? Yeah. Um, if Taquan Roberson is in there, he's going to have to oh, bounce have back to bounce back in yeah, a big way. I, I mean, maybe maybe you know. no one more than him needs to bounce back than than Taquan. Brenton Roberson. Strange with a couple of key drops, yep, yep. going to have to bounce back. So I, I agree with you. I, you know, and, and you know, someone who was quiet in that Iowa game, um, but was really a key point in turning last season around was Jahan Dotson, mm-hmm. and he was a quiet leader. Um, who became more outspoken as the season went on. I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see him exert some leadership this um, week f- with his team. Yeah. And we're, uh, and we're regardless recording this, of who we're recording this podcast on Monday. We were considering waiting until Wednesday to do it, but um, hopefully we hear some some good uh, good news out of James Franklin's mouth come come his press conference uh, this week pregame press conference because. You know, I, I I don't know how much we'll get from an injury perspective, but but like you say, these bounce back. He he does talk about his players in in these um in these pressers about like kind of what they're doing and how they're talking and what you know how they're leading. He's talked about Jahan Dotson a lot in the in the um you know preseason about how his leadership. He's taking it to the next level. So I'd love to hear maybe a couple little um uh, tidbits from him about how the guys are responding preparing for Illinois. Yeah. um, You know, and if there is one thing that's going to keep the team from looking ahead past Illinois, it could be the, the quarterback question. I mean, Franklin did mention in his Wednesday um, post-practice availability to the media that Taquan Roberson and uh, Christian Villeneuve, I uh, still need to figure out how to say the name <laughs> uh, that yeah. they were splitting, that they were splitting reps. Right. right and right. so, you know, you've got a whole offense basically that is trying to come around uh, what very well may be a, a different starting quarterback this week. And so they're really going to be focused, not on like the next game against our top 10 opponent, but like putting a solid offense on the field this week when this you know one of these guys takes the field uh, i assume it would be take take Roberson if not Sean Clifford even if Sean Clifford comes back and starts it's still the, i think the offense will be more focused than they normally would have uh, uh, with this game ahead because they just have to keep it simple and have to focus on how do you execute this play how do you uh, you, you know how do you put together a game plan that's going to beat Illinois because you can't take for granted that you got going to have Sean Clifford back there and just you know sort of 
you know, slice and dice like he's been doing the rest of the season. We had a true or false mailbag question a week or two ago, and it was Joel that asked it. Uh, <laughs> um, he asked, will Penn State have a 100-yard rusher this season in any game? Uh, right. And I'm going to say we're going to get it in this game. Yep, this would be the one. I'm right? going to say that Kevon Lee is going to rush for 100 yards in this game. I'm saying it. Bold prediction? A bold prediction. Is that your and hot take? I think it's a I think it's a pretty bold prediction. <laughs> I mean, it's an it's like a, it's an easy prediction, like, you know, it's not like off the charts like weird, but like wh- wh- our run game is just so just not just bad, but like inconsistent per player too. It's just like who who is our running back? Who is our guy? I mean, it, it kind of like uh Noah Kane has the most carries by far with like 60 some odd carries and our next most carries is is uh Noah Kane with 38. But it's like I'm sorry, is Kevon Lee with 38. Noah Kane is averaging like 3 yards per carry and and Kevon Lee is averaging five and a half basically. And and it it kind of if <laughs> Uh, if Noah Kane's healthy this week and he's only getting two to three yards per carry, our offense is going to have a, a hard time if he, if we're just running him against a, a brick wall. But Kevon Lee seems to just find an extra couple of yards every time and breaks a, a couple of big ones here and there too. So I, I hope that they realize and recognize that in this off, uh, this bye week and they just lean in on that, lean in on the guy who's shown it over the over the six games to have that little little something extra because Noah just this year has not had it and, and they look to be the part in the preseason it is not translated at all unfortunately and and we're we're going to need a big i think we're going to need a big game from one of these running backs if not both of them to to try and bridge the gap of Taquan Roberson you know taking over until Clifford's healthy again yeah i think if there is a moment to get this run game up and running properly yeah this is the game to do it Right, I agree. Whether whether Sean Clifford's in or Taquan Roberson is in, we're going to want to take the pressure off of the quarterback. We're going to want to control the line of scrimmage. We're going to hold time of possession. And by the way, not to look ahead, but then you've got Ohio State on the other side of this game. You're not going to have a chance to figure out how to get the run game going against Ohio State. Now's the right, time to do right. it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean so spend the gonna, extra bye week working on it and then spend extra time, you know, leading up to a game uh, planning. Uh, uh, yeah. With Illinois. Yeah. And that way you maybe you have a little momentum going into the pregame of um or pre week planning for, for Ohio State to have some sort of confidence that you can do it in a bigger environment on the road. Because here you have homecoming Illinois at home, you know, on ABC noon. It's not going to be a ton of people um like chomping at the bit to, to watch this game. So so maybe the, the stakes don't feel so high. So you have the ability to like, all right, pressure's maybe off a little bit. So get it going without having all those nerves. And then when, you know, push push comes to shove in a big game like Ohio State, you have some semblance experientially of having done it with, with, a, with a, a, a bit of success, hopefully against Illinois. Yeah, I, I think... I think if we if we're going to see a game against Illinois where we're not worried throughout the game, we're going to need to have upwards of 250 yards 
on the ground total between right. our running backs and the quarterback. And Illinois, Illinois is a team uh, defensively that's giving up um, 429.1 yards per game on average this wow. season. Uh, and 164 of those are, are given up on the ground. 260, 264 of them are being given up through the air. So, I mean, I know we'll still try and pass it, but I think I think uh, Illinois, you know, they're 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 probably ripe for for a game given some some yards up on the ground and uh, I think I think we have the ability to do it. I just you know I I just I don't know if we can. I just know we got to try. <laughs> yeah, the downside of of that going in, no doubt Illinois is going to assume the same thing, right? So I think you know what we're likely to face is what we faced a lot this season, where they're going to stack the box. They're going to dare us to beat them with passing. And if it's Taquan Roberson, you know, can can he open things up by completing some passes or will we have a long day with misfires, interceptions and things like that? Um, you know, I think running the ball well and effectively into a you know a box where there's seven eight guys in the box that that probably will be the key it's what we have not been able to do all season and we're going to have to find a way to do it on saturday yep agreed so what do you think for prediction bro what do you what, what's your what's your call for the game in terms of score oh, this is really hard to do Really hard know, to do, right? <laughs> I because I, I mean honestly, like if Clifford plays, which again I don't know if he will or I don't think he will either. But if he does, it totally changes the prediction. Um, uh, I mean, I, I don't see a I don't see a score. I, I don't see a score in more than like twenty four points in the game. Uh, maybe 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 twenty eight. Um, uh, I'm gonna go twenty four to ten. Penn State. Yeah, I was um, I was leaning uh, twenty to six, but I'm going to say we're going to get a defensive score in there. It's going to be it's going to oh, be. Oh, then I'll 20- go thirty one. I'll go thirty one to. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm going to go twenty seven to six. I think we uh, we score uh, a pair of offensive touchdowns. You get two field goals and a defensive touchdown. That's that's and, how we and they get two field goals, or is that they get two field goals? I think okay. I think our we didn't talk about defense, but I think our defense is going to carry this team. Uh, they they know that they need to. Uh, you know, if we can't stop the run, it's going to be a long day. I, I think well, our we, they got reserve, Chase Brown. They got Chase Brown running the ball. He he's a he's a solid athlete. He can he can make he can hurt you. Um, He's he's gonna be someone we gotta watch out for, and they got Isaiah Williams, uh, a very very good receiver on the outside uh, for them, who's had almost 300 yards receiving on the season. But uh, to me, uh, it's all about um, how do our uh, how do our backup defensive tackles play yeah. against the run, yep. and if if they play solid, I think I think we've got a good chance to to hold them uh, to to minimal scoring opportunities. Um, so I, I feel comfortable with. Uh, with less than ten points from uh, from Illinois on the day, um, if we can hold the run, um, I, I think we'll get some scores with a good rushing attack on our own. Taquan Roberson will settle in, and um, well, in the end, we'll win comfortably, but it won't feel like a fun, good game. Here's my off the wall bold prediction. I I right, think let's hear it. I think that Penn State. I'm not saying that it's not even a prediction necessarily, but I think this is what they should do. I think they should uh, uh, invoke. The power option game. 
We've been running the read option for years now, and Michael Robinson used to run the power option and speed option game really darn well. We were running it with Larry Johnson and Zach Mills back in the day. I just know that that's an effective way of getting some yards and and kind of getting you know holding onto the ball the ball longer. And I think with having a lot of these defensive um, tackles dinged up or out for the season, hanging onto the ball longer on offense is going to be proved to be critically important moving forward and and these these um explosive plays we're used to getting on uh through the uh air we're probably not going to be getting too many of them through the air with Taquan Roberson um so I think that the, uh, a, a pounding power option run game could be a way to do it and so I would I personally would love to see it and I think Taquan Roberson's a talented runner too so I think he's capable of you know breaking off a big one that way but if yeah, you stack think, the box with a with a read option game, that does not put like there's does not put fear into the eyes of the defender. And the read option game is not scary at all. You do not dominate people with a read option game. It's not that kind of a thing. But you can dominate people with a power running game. A power option game. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I, I agree with you. If we see Roberson, uh the QB run's gonna be a much bigger part of the game. He you know, where uh Roberson flashed and, and those few moments in the Iowa yeah. game was when he was running the ball. It's true. It's true. Um, on on design quarterback runs or or keeps on on the read. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, we got a week of uh, uh, you know a business week of news before we can actually see which quarterback takes the field and how Penn State will do. I'm crossing my fingers that that we'll be able to get through this one without too much uh, without too much worry and. Uh, <laughs> No hair pulling and screaming, but uh, yeah. except for screaming for good plays that happen. But uh, but we shall see. Uh, you know, truly, we're at the half point. This is the tipping point of the season. Um, five and one for the first half of the season. Oh man, it would love to be six and zero, oh, but but you really can't complain too much about five and one. But it is a whole new season. We're going to go into the heart of the Big Ten East. We got three top ten teams on our schedule. We've got a dangerous. Maryland team as well that we have to play on the heels of Ohio State and a Rutgers have, team that was three and zero before entering conference play and who are zero and four now, <laughs> right? Since yeah, then, so since then, but but you know a, a sneaky good Rutgers team maybe and a dangerous Iowa Illinois team on the heels of uh, some injuries for Penn State. So it's as tough as the first half of this schedule was. Uh, the second only half looks looks even harder, and yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see how we go. Try to keep it all in perspective. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for listening during our our kind of uh, our off season rant about what's going on with college football. That that wasn't something we necessarily were going to be talking about until this morning when Andy sent me that Pat Forty article, and it really got my really got my. Um, the wheels turn in my head about what are we as, as fans, you know? And, and so I just want to say thanks for letting us air those, uh, air those grievances, uh, on air for, for you and with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, likewise. Um, and you know, I'll just say this, you know, as we're in the midway point of our podcast, as we follow the Penn state team, uh, for all you listeners out there, if you've been enjoying our podcast, uh, I want to just remind you and encourage you to leave uh, a rating, um, 
and uh, a review. Reviews actually help even more to let others be able to find us. If you could be willing to leave a positive review of our podcast, um, let others find us. Uh, We really enjoy interacting with you, sharing our thoughts with you each week. And of course, if you want to take it to the next level and interact with us, please send us a mailbag question. Um, Appreciate all you who've who've been uh, doing that so far, uh, a couple of regulars now, but uh, please uh, send us your thoughts, your questions in the mailbag. Um, you can send that to blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Well, bro, I guess we'll see how the second half goes. Very excited. <laughs> <laughs> very anxious. Very excited. <laughs> yeah, very anxious for sure. Uh, man. Uh, well, um, Got to remain a fan regardless, though. Got to remain a fan regardless of how this team turns this season one way or the other. Going to remain a fan. Yeah. It always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. I love you, bro. Love you, bro. We are. Have a great week. Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 